wonderful time discussing what God is doing through the book of Timothy, you know, how it relates to us today. Last week we discussed about the great importance of truly understanding how we are to live as believers. We are an example for believers. Can you say amen to that? We are examples of believers. Amen? So that means somebody today should see you and say, you are a believer. As I've said before, there should be enough evidence against you among your peers and coworkers to convict you of being a Christian. And if there's not enough evidence in the people around you to convict you of being a Christian, your light's not shining bright enough. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, Buster Brown, you better get your shine on. It's time to shine for Jesus. Amen. You got to get your shine on, Buster Brown. You got to do what you've never done to see what you've never seen. And God wants to bring you from glory to glory. And we're learning that through the book of Timothy. And we learned about how our speech needs to be above reproach, how our faith, our life, our love, you know, our character needs to match the, the teachings of Christ and the believers of all the ages. We're, we're standing on 2,000 years of of Christianity. And as I've always said, and I want us to be reminded that we are in the last moments of the last hour of the last day in the last days. Think about that. 2,000 years ago, Peter says, this is the last day. Well, the last day is plural. And I like to think of it like this because Peter said, with the day is like, uh, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. Now, I don't get into numerology, and I suggest that you don't do it either. It gets a little whack, and you become a weirdie. Look at your neighbor and say, no weirdies here. Amen. So don't get into numerology, but just listen to this. There are certain things that you can see patterns with. And if you look at 6,000 years of human history, 4,000 before Christ, 2,000 after Christ, 6 is the number of man, 7 is the number of perfection. Okay, and so when we entered into this new millennium, we entered into the seventh millennium, the the 2000 millennium going onward. You know, that's the beginning of the seventh uh, year perfection. So God, I believe, is going to perfect it in this millennium. But we still got quite a bit of years. It could be within the next 900 years if you're going on numerology. Now, the next thing, though, is that the Bible says is that, uh, you know, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day to the Lord. And, And Jesus rose on the third day. And you look at the significance of the the third day, and, and when they said last days, you could think to yourself, three days, we're in the last days, and so there's already been two full millennia, two days, and now we're in the third day, amen? Are you all with me? Don't think I'm crazy. Just say amen, and you'll go and listen to the tape and get it. Now, now the thing is, is that a lot of people get confused on when Jesus raised from the dead, because they say, how could Jesus be in the grave three days and three nights when he was buried on a Friday and rose on a Sunday? That's Friday night, Saturday night, only two nights. Are you guys with me? And so people get confused with that, and they say, how was Jesus in the grave three nights and three days like uh, Jonah was in the belly of a whale? Well, the problem is, is we don't understand the Jewish calendar. Uh, The Jewish calendar night started uh, when the day ended, when the sun went down. So a new day would start when that sun went down. So he was there for Friday night. He was there for Sunday night. And then going into uh, the Friday night, Saturday night rather, and then going into Sunday, if he arose in the morning, he would have been rose on the third day. And so it would have been two nights and, and three days. And then so the question is, well, where, where did about that third night? And there's a lot of uh, speculation. Some actually think that he, rose, uh, he was crucified on Thursday, which I don't believe. But I believe what it's referencing to is the thought that when you look at the Jewish calendar, three days going into the third night is how Jesus rose. So on the third day, he rose. Going into the third night, that's when he appeared to everybody. Now, why am I telling you all this with the numerology thing? We have passed the second night, the second millennium. Now we're in the very early stages of the third millennium, going into the third day, or rising and believing that Jesus is going to come back right here and now, and then we will appear as who we're supposed to be. So just a way to look at it, okay, guys? The last days are upon us. Is that deep or what? So don't think that the Bible is contradicting itself. He was in the grave for three days and either two nights, or if you consider Thursday as a part of his crucifixion, which would be another way, which would be he was being persecuted for the third night. But I believe he raises on the third day. I believe he raises, and we're right now in the beginning of that third day. Can you say amen? 
Praise God. That's why I don't get a numerology. You can't put your faith in it. But you can put your faith in God's word. Amen. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 is going to be our lesson today. It's going to be a very unique lesson. Um, I hate to say that there's not shouting lessons in the Bible, but this, this is going to not necessarily be a shouting lesson. It's, it's being faithful to God's Word because, you know, when you, as a preacher and you pick out your hot topics of the Bible, you get to this point where you just pick out your favorite things. You know, I'm going to preach about holiness, preach about sin, preach about miracles. Well, if you keep picking out topics out the Bible and you don't go verse by verse, you sometimes forget the feeding of the widows. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the feeding of the widows and accusations towards elders. Now, if you're excited about the feeding of the widows and accusations towards elders, make some noise. So this is good revival preaching right here. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's good teaching. That's why you're in Bible college. So you guys got to get to the nitty gritty. Amen. If all you do is stay with the fun stuff and you don't get to the nitty-gritty, you're not going to understand the fullness of the Bible. So let's get into chapter 5. Let's have a good time today and let it bless you. And I think today I can teach you something you've never known before, saw before, and I believe will even be a little controversial. So those who like controversy, here it comes. Look at your neighbor and go, ooh. Okay, here we go. Chapter 5, verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Now, right here, before we get to the widows, there's a section right here which we technically could make this a whole nother message. And we could title this message, Appropriate Behaviors in the Family of God. Appropriate Behaviors in the Family of God. So basically is. Uh, how do I teach people that are next to me, my peers? How do I teach people that are older than, than me? How do I treat them? And how do I treat people that are younger than me? Do you guys get it? So kind of people alongside of you, people older than you, people under than you. And let me just stop right here and just share this with you. Uh, I do believe that he, he means this to be an encouragement, but his, his ma- majority of focus here is to set up the place for the widows. So I, I don't think that this is... Uh, It is scripture, but I don't think he's focusing on it here. I believe the focus is to the widows. And the reason why he's setting it up with this is he's saying, treat this person like this, this person like this, this person like this, because these are all important people to you. Your mother, your father, older people, your brothers, your sisters, younger people. But you all forget about the widows. Now let me take a long time to tell you how to treat widows who nobody cares about. Do you guys get where I'm coming from there? Okay, so it's kind of like leading us into the next part. but, But it needs to be discussed. So let's just take a few moments and discuss it. Uh, Do not rebuke an older man harshly. And so we should not uh, disrespect our elders in that sense, even in Christian sake, even to teach them, to preach to them, to love them, and be harsh to them because it just doesn't look right, you know. So we have like some older people in our church like Derek and Barb, and let's say, God forbid, something were to happen wrong, you know, and and I'm, you know, in, in a you know, a service or, or something or after service talking to them, if you would see me like rebuking them harshly, that just wouldn't look right, would it? Like here's this like this little punk kid, like I'm the age of their kids, and I'm just like, listen here, Grandpa, repent, repent, and get right with God. You know, so that's the point is that we don't want to treat older people harshly. So they, they, they get the older person card, and most of the time they'll let you know, I'm older than you. You need to respect me. And if you start kind of rebuking them a little bit, teaching them a little bit more serious about God, how many of your parents have told that to you? Listen here, young lady, you may have all the Jesus you want, but I'll slap it out of you right now. You have to go find Jesus across the room because I'm going to slap him right out of you. I don't know. I might just been me. Okay. But I'm serious. How many have just felt that you were preaching to your parents, and your parents were like, okay, that's great, but you're kind of stepping the line here. You're, you're like disrespecting me a little bit in how you're approaching me. They'll remind you of that, okay? And the Bible says to be mindful of that. So, uh, yes, yes, you, you could talk to a youth a certain way and your peers a certain way. But just remember, when even as leaders, your leaders here, this is Timothy, he's a leader. When you're addressing leaders, do it with respect, amen? Oh, excuse me, not leaders. Um, you as leaders when you're addressing elders. Somebody say elders. And this is not in the sense of elder as in First Timothy 3, uh, elder like they are the overseer. This is an elder in the sense of they are the elders of the community, the elderly. Amen? So if you ever start a nursing home ministry, we're not going to street preach like we do on Bourbon Street. Amen? Y'all going to hell. Listen to me, Grandma. You're going to hell. You are going there. 
You're going to be there in a few minutes, I can tell. You need to repent right now. Repent, Grandma. Repent. Okay. But exhort him as he were your father. So think of that when you're talking to older people. How would you talk to your father? Teach them as you would talk to your father. And if you don't talk to your father well, your earthly father, you're disrespecting them, then learn how to talk to your father well. Amen. And we'll teach you some manners. Okay. Treat younger men as brothers. Okay. So uh, this is where we get the idea of calling each other brother and sister in the church because we are to look at each other in the family of God as brother and sister. So uh, those of you that work in the youth group and you have people younger than you, treat them as brothers. Treat them with respect, but treat them as brothers. It's okay to give them a little noogie, you know. It's okay if, uh, you know, if you're into the butt-slapping ministry, you know, just not, let's not get in trouble getting a lawsuit against us, you know. But, like, if Adam, if he just wants to walk up to one and go, come on, and just be like, you know, treat him as you would a younger brother, you know. Now these days that could be considered perverted, and they got me on tape. Now I'm already feeling convicted. I shouldn't have said that. But you know what I'm saying? We shouldn't let the weirdies take away the fun of young men growing up. Young men, you know what I'm talking about, right? Don't, don't, be, don't be like that now. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. You're trying to hold me out there like I'm the only one. Now, come on, guys. I've seen you wrestling around with your shirts off. I've seen you all doing that crazy stuff. So don't make me feel like I'm the only one. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you. Okay. Now, older women as mothers, see, there you go. So you're going to respect people as mothers, treat them with respect. And that, and that would be the same type of thing, you know, if you would see me with Sister Barb, you know, listen, Grandma, listen, you are wrong, and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You know, it just wouldn't look right. Don't, don't treat people like that. Respect them. And then now here it is, younger women as sisters, but they get a little something extra, don't they? See, because the other one was just like, uh, you know, younger men as brothers moves right along. But it says young women as sisters with, with absolute purity. Get the NIV, sister. With absolute purity. Why do you think it says that, young men? Why do you think Timothys are being told to treat women with absolute purity? Because they knew what you would be doing by yourself in the bathroom with, you know, the pictures of J-Lo and some strawberry lotion. God knew what you would be doing getting down with the dirty, dirty. Now listen to me. You can act like I ain't talking about it, but you are supposed to be men and women of God. And women, you got to know that men struggle with sex with themselves. Women, you've got to know that. Men struggle with violating their own purity. And if you can't trust a man with righty by himself, you cannot trust him with righty and lefty when he's with you. Now, I'm just going to tell it as a T-I is. Amen? Well, that's okay. One amen from a sister in the church. Amen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. I want it to get awkward. And I, I want to change this. You know the awkward turtle. No, it's an awkward butterfly. Because an awkward turtle, who wants a turtle? Nobody wants a turtle. You look at the little awkward turtle walking by, you just kick the little turtle. No, you know what awkwardness is? When I bring awkwardness, it's not a little nasty turtle that lives in the swamp. You know what it is? It's a butterfly. Because when that little awkwardness comes in, you're just like, that's beautiful. My pastor loves me. He made us all feel very embarrassed, made us feel very awkward. His face is turning red. Our face is turning red. But why do you think Paul said that to Timothy? Because he knew that. He knew that men would be struggling with respecting women and treating them as sisters and being pure with them. And so women, the the Bible talks about you in the verses before that you can dress unto holiness, shamefaced, as the King James would say, or with dignity, quiet, because if you help the men by not wearing short skirts and revealing tops, the men have less to photograph and develop at night. Because the habit for the man is to take photographs during the day of the ladies he finds attractive and then to develop them at night. So, women, you can play a part in that, though we're not going to blame you, and we're not going to have you wear burqas and, uh, you know, the things that the Muslim women have to wear, because that's still the man's fault, amen? I mean, they're wearing burqas and hijabs and all of that, and they're still marrying 13-year-old girls, so obviously the hijab and burqa ain't working, man, okay? So, 
we want to ask our women to do their part, which is dress appropriately. Now, if a, if a, a leader who's a woman ever comes to you and says, please consider you know, changing or doing something with your look, just take it, take it with grace. Nobody here is saying you can't have piercings, earrings. No one is saying that you can't be beautiful. No one is saying you can't be fashionable. It's just if an older woman says it to you or a leader here, what they're trying to do is teach you how other people uh, may look and uh, take it. You know? Because we're talking about as we as leaders... You don't want, uh, uh, you know, women. Uh, Jonathan, come stand up here for me, please. You know, let's say Jonathan, let's say Jonathan is you, ladies, as a leader. You don't want a guy sitting here talking to you like this. Okay, sister, great. Tell me about Jesus. I so want to learn about Jesus. You don't want that. So don't do anything that brings attention to the things in the front and the things in the back. You understand what I'm talking about? Don't do any of that. And then guys, learn to bounce your eyes. Learn to bounce your eyes. When you see something that begins to stimulate you, do what the, the book talks about in uh, Every Man's Battle. Just bounce your eyes, okay? So you're at the magazine you know, counter or a grocery store, and you're just going there to get something, and you look over here, and here's Cosmopolitan Magazine, a woman exposing herself. You just look at it, and then you just bounce your eyes and think about something totally different. Think, think about how your, your groceries are going down the conveyor belt. Wow, those things are going down there pretty fast. Look at those things. I wonder how that little conveyor belt works. It disappears and comes back. I'm not even thinking about, I'm not thinking about this. I'm thinking about that right there. Seriously, man, you know, that's what you do. You just bounce your eyes. You just bounce your eyes. And, and that's the way you can do it. And then men, get married and, and, and live happily ever after. Don't burn with lust. Find a good wife. Let her satisfy you all the days of her life. And, and what does the Bible say will satisfy the man all the days of his life? Her breasts shall satisfy you all the... Why are you all looking at me crazy? I'm just talking about the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. This is still PG, by the way. I haven't even got to where Fresh Prince goes and all these other crazy shows, the Lopez show. This is just PG. The Bible says, and her breasts shall satisfy you all the days of your life. So there will be a body, a woman that you can look at and go, ooh, la, la. You can do that. Now, if this conversation arouses you to be perverted, that shows you how perverted you really are. Amen? Okay, because we should be able to talk about these things in church and not arouse your perversion because this is where you got to deal with it as young men and women. And the number one problem that we have had with young men and young women is sexual perversion. Okay, amen. That was pretty awesome. That wasn't even a message, amen. See, God knew it would be good. See, I got you guys shouting and everything. Now, let's go to the widows. Now, I told you why I believe he only spends two verses talking about those relationships, but spends the next verses three all the way down to, what is it, verse 16. Why does he spend the next 13 verses dealing now specifically with widows? Because widows in the Bible time were neglected. These were people that were forced into poverty. And so as we begin to read about widows, let me just give you a little insight. What a widow is, a widow is somebody who's lost their husband. Now, in the Middle Eastern culture, which Rome began to kind of take over, Rome was the beginning of the Western civilized world, but Rome took over Middle Eastern cultures like Jew the Jewish people. They occupied their land. Okay, so they began to introduce more ideas of Western civilization, as we would say more freedom and different things to uh, people, but they still very much were into slavery, and they degraded women highly as well. The Bible actually, even the time that it was written, gives more freedom and um, just more respect to women than any other culture, even the, uh, well, among the Romans and even among the other Middle Eastern people. So if you look at, at the Bible, like there's a story of the woman Deborah. She leads God's army. See, we respected the women in their place. Uh, the, the woman who raised up, uh, you know, Moses was respected. Miriam, uh, Moses' sister. There was honor being paid to women all throughout the Bible, if you read it. Uh, Hannah is respected and revered. And so you'll see great women throughout the Bible. Now, a widow would be somebody whose husband died. Now, the problem is, is in this culture, the women really couldn't get jobs. And the best they could do was like kind of like the arts and crafts type stuff. It's maybe like sew things, make things, be a maid in somebody's house. But now if they had children, that becomes the problem. So the widow will have children, but the children, uh, you know, have to be taken care of. So how does the widow work and take care of the children? Is everybody tracking with me here? So now they're basically thrown into poverty because they can't work and take care of their children 
children at the same time. And then as they would get older, the tendency would be that people in this culture would actually forget to take care of their mom. They would really take uh, their moms and really put them in the back, back room or the back, back hut and, and neglect them at different times. And so now what Paul is going to address is this problem of poverty among these widows and how Christians should take care of them. Can you say amen? Okay, so let's read this now, and I'll read the whole passage, 3 through 13. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should first learn to all put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. So repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead while she lives. Give the people these instructions to, so that no one may be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Well, that's tight, but it's right. Amen. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list, for when their sensual desire comes, overcomes their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but they also become gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. Verse 16. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her family, she should help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Can you say amen? I just can tell you right now there's no way I'm going to get to the elder part. So scratch to the, to the title of today's message. God improvised, gave us some goodies right there. That's why I don't like to preach with notes. God gives us the goodies. Amen. Study yourself full. Preach yourself empty is the way I like it. So the first part of the message is relationships in the body of Christ, and the second part is widows. Amen. We'll get to the elders next week. Now, this is what you see right here, that widows are so important to the church that the Bible says if people who are believers don't take care of their own family they're worse than unbelievers now i want you to see how this applies to our life today this is where it may get a little controversial and i think that you guys will enjoy this and i know you're going to learn some things that you've never learned well let's go back and start going through these verses one at a time verse three give proper recognition to those who are widows who are widows in need right here what you learn is that the church is not going to be a soup kitchen See, that's where it gets controversial. I'm going to show you today that you will not find a place in the Bible where charity is to be done for unbelievers to supplement their lifestyle or their uh, 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 standard of living, what we would call today welfare. I'm going to show you today in the Bible there is no such thing as welfare. In the Bible. As a matter of fact, welfare is actually unbiblical to the Bible. I'm going to show you that. And how I'm going to build the case is simply by this right here. We look at Acts chapter 6. They did feed widows, Greek and Hebrew widows. They began to fight. They asked the deacons to take care of them. But now we learn the specifics of what it took to be a widow that could be fed daily. So what did it take to be fed, a, to become a widow daily? Well, the first thing is, is that a widow has to practice religion by um, taking care. Go all the way down to uh, uh, verse 3. She has to practice her religion by being uh, putting God first, praying night and day, and she must be over 60, verse uh, 9, verse 10. She must be known for her good deeds. She must have brought up her children, show hospitality, wash the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, and devoted herself to all kinds of good deeds. 
How many were on that list? About seven or eight? Does everybody see that right there? That's that's where it's going to get a little controversial. So what do we do with widows who don't serve the Lord? What do we do with widows who don't wash the feet of the saints? What do we do with those who don't devote themselves to doing good all the time? But they become busybodies, idlers, and they become gossipers. What do you do with those? Well, go right on down here uh, to the verse 13. It says, besides, oh, excuse me, verse 12, verse 11, back it up. It says, as for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. And it says, well, why not put the younger widows on such a list? Well, they can remarry. And they can become back under the covering of a husband, like we saw with uh, Ruth. Ruth came back under the covering of a husband. It was the daughter, right? Naomi was the mother. It was Ruth. Yes, it was Ruth. Came back under the cover of her husband. Can somebody turn off the heat, please? It is still blowing on me right here. Put on the air for me. Thank you. When we look at that, he's saying they can go back to to their husbands or remarry. Now watch. What are you supposed to do with the ones that are young. What do you do with the ones that are young? Think about most people today who are on welfare. Are they young or old? Come on, let's just keep it real. Let's talk. Oh, can we talk a little bit today? We're going to learn about social justice from the Bible and community service. And I don't understand why all these people get so caught up in this. So many of these modern preachers forget about the gospel, preach a social gospel, and they don't even practice it the way the Bible did. The Bible actually tells us not to put certain people on a list. Now, most of today's people who are on welfare in our inner cities, this is coming from a pastor who worked over seven and a half years in African-American communities in the deep south of New Orleans, some of the worst housing projects of American history. So it's not that I'm not touched or aware with the pain and problems of those who dwell within these low-income housings. And it was predominantly African-American, but you could see the occasional other different types of uh, culture backgrounds. And as a matter of fact, the, the, the projects of New Orleans were originally built for the white immigrants, and then they moved on, and then the African Americans moved in. And we could talk about that for black history at another time. Amen? Everybody say black history. Now go whoop, whoop. Amen. Little Arsenio Hall. Come on. Let's give it up for Lily today. Come on. Our one African American here. Here she is. And she ain't going to die. She's going to multiply, going to fill this up. Amen. So this is not a, this is not a slight. I mean, I I I know African American preachers. I can name them by name. So many of them uh, are my friends, and will agree with this one one hundred percent. A hand out actually hurts people. A hand up is what people need. So why is it in the church today when we think about doing charity, we just throw it out without a list, almost as if anybody can come and get it at any time? Why don't we make lists again? like how the Bible has the list. So how do we accept the people who are truly poor and need help and say, we're going to help you out daily with what you need? Well, the Bible says, according to this list, they have to be at least 60. So write that down. The widow needs to be at least 60. Where do we get that from? It goes uh, into verse 9. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60. Now, is, do I believe we have to do it Paul's way? No, but this gives us a great insight to how Paul did acts of charity. So they have to be over 60. And then what's the next thing? All of those things we, we went through, the list, they have to be hospitable, take care of the saints. And what's the third thing? Their family is not able to take care of them. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. You see, now the problem we have with welfare today is we're taking on younger people. We're taking away their motivation to work. Number two, they're not being filled with good deeds. I worked in the projects. Baby mama could get 250 per baby kid, get about $2,000 off of her eight, nine kids, live in the project, do nothing but smoke weed all day. Let's just keep it for real, for real. Amen. I've been there. You heard me? And I got baby kids that call me the spiritual daddy. You heard me? I'll call them up right now. We'll talk to them. And they'll tell you this is how it is. They're young. They're making kids. And they're not doing what God called them to do. And nobody's thinking about helping them out and taking care of them. 
Now, the sad part is, is how African-Americans got there. And I could blow your mind about how the white man, and this is where we need to repent and take blame for it, set this thing up by messing up their heritage and lineage through, through slavery. There was actually a man who gave, let me give you guys a little black history today. There was a man, I forget his name, maybe Lily can shout it out if she knows it, how much she knows her black history. Come on. There was a man who around the 1600s, came from England to America. We can get his speech. If you want his speech, email me. And he said, this is how you will break the Negro race. This is how you will break them. And he used an example of what the Romans did to a people that they had messed with back in their day. They said, what you do is you take the strongest men and you beat them in front of the people, and then you kill the weaker men, And then these stronger men, you make them breed with the women, and then you pull them out of the homes. And so everybody will know if the biggest dude gets beat, the weaker ones get killed, the women will now raise up children in a fatherless home, and the children to a mother without a father will be easily trained as slaves. They said if you do that to the Negro race for 200 years, they will not know who they are anymore and will not be able to build back up their families. And he quoted what the Roman pagans had done to another group of people when they had conquered lands. Are you all listening to me? So you got to know your black history. If we're going to talk specifically about people in inner city, if that's where your mind is going, I want to help you understand. It's, it's not like the Latino people who come from another nation built upon different standards, and they come here so often. People say, well, man, how come these African Americans in the hood can't go get a job? When the Latinos come from Mexico, they'll do everything and anything. You've got to understand the Mexican people were not broke as a race for 200 years by slavery owners and even the jewish people they suffered more according to death and they suffered more in a longer period of persecution because the jewish people have been the most persecuted in time and the most killed as a people but the jewish people never had this strategy enacted on them where they took the men away from their homes beat the men killed the weaker one and made their mothers grow up children being uh, loyal to the slave owner So that's black history for you, by the way. But now that people are there, if we're thinking about that, if we're putting our mind on that, because those are people that are precious to us, if we're putting our mind on that, how do we reach them? We reach them still by the principles found here in the Bible. And the principle is what? If you're young... And you're in poverty. Let's talk about if we find somebody right now and they're in poverty right now. They're a single mother and they already have the kids. They've made these mistakes along the line. How do we begin to help them? Do we give them welfare? No. What we begin to do is we teach them to become the lady, the woman that God wants them to be so that a man of God can marry them and take care of them. And then if they like, uh, they like what's that? I'm an independent woman. I'm a survivor. Yeah, who's that sing that? Beyonce, but what group was that? It was a Destiny's Child. Now, if they want to be self-made, I don't need a man. What's the one I don't need a man? The one where the woman says, I don't need a man. The one of the, the Destiny Children's song says she's her own woman. She buys her own stuff. Adolfo, look it up. Destiny Child's song where it says, the one, she said, I don't need a man. Now, all we can do, what we can do in our culture is teach them how to work. No, no, no. Just listen to me. Don't get distracted. He'll find it. Destiny's Child. They don't put it. Destiny Child top songs, and one of them will come up when you find it. Something about her not needing a man. She's independent. I can't believe y'all don't know this song. Y'all don't know no Destiny's Child. Okay. Now, moving along. When you, when you look at it today, what do we do? They're young. They can remarry. So what do we do? We prepare them for marriage. We prepare them for marriage. So that a man of God will want to marry them. And then we teach the man of God to provide for his family. Now the woman of God, she's raising her children. She's doing the best she can. We'll teach her how to have a job because women in our culture today can get jobs. And one of the best things I would say is not welfare, but I would say is supplemented daycare. Why? Because if the mother says, now I realize I have children, but I want to make a better life for myself, we can help them out with daycare. And so that's the goal one day of this church is to have daycare and to scholarship those who don't have the money, the single moms, so they can have a daycare so they can go out and take care of their family. Amen? But that's not welfare. That's not giving them free stuff. What are we doing here? Okay. There we go. Pull it it up a little bit. 
just so everybody can see this, because they don't know what's going on. This is these Destiny Child, okay? Tell me what you think about me. I buy my own diamonds, and I buy my own rings. Only ring your celly when I'm feeling lonely. When it's all over, please get up and leave. <laughs> she just pimping men. She is pimping her a man right here. Tell me how you feel about this. Try to control me, boy. You get dismissed. Pay me my own fun. Oh, and I pay my own bills. Always 50-50 in relationships. The shoes on my feet I bought. Now you all remember. See? Now you remember. The clothes I'm wearing. The rock I'm rocking. Because I depend on me. If you wanted to watch, if I wanted to watch you wear it, I'll buy it. The house I live in. I bought it. The car I'm driving, I bought it. I depend on me. All the women who are independent, throw your hands up with me. All the honeys who make your money, throw your hands up at me. All the mamas who profit dollars, throw your hands up at me. All the ladies who truly feel me, throw your hands up at me. Y'all got to know your destiny's child. I can't, can't believe the preacher preaching to a bunch of young people. They don't know Destiny's Child. I know y'all too sanctified for Destiny's Child. Amen. That's okay. You've been saved and sanctified. So we want to teach him to be an independent woman. But really the best thing we could do is say, Mama, get your life in order because God has a person coming for you that will take care of you biblically, and then we teach that man to do the right thing. And then while she's waiting for that in our culture, now you can get a job, find a great place for daycare, and start working, get educated. Our, our country gives plenty of loans and grants, especially to minorities or those of less income. Take advantage of that. So there is an opportunity for that. Now, people might say, well, Pastor, can we still do feeding programs? Can we still? Yes, you can do feeding programs. But I believe whenever the church says, now we are going to supplement your standard of living, what we give you is what you're going to live off of. This now becomes welfare. We only need to do it for a select group of people. Because if you do it for any other type of group of people, you're actually pushing them down. And the Bible says, and let's go there so you can say, well, what about the men? What about the men, Pastor? What about me? Let me tell you about you. Somebody say, tell me. Let me give you a little something, something to nibble on. Amen? Go to 2 Thessalonians 3.10. What about me, Pastor? I'm a man. What do I get from the Bible? You get a rebuke. That's exactly what you get. You get a nice manly rebuke. Amen? This is what he said in Thessalonians. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Praise God. Hallelujah for the Bible. Amen. So men get to work. Some of you are in full-time school. Do that as your job. But work part-time in the summer, full-time. Get jobs, work, and provide for your family. And so this is how it is. It's very simple. The widow, she's got to be over 60 years of age. Number two, she's got to do all those things. She's got to be a Christian. She's got to be taking care of the saints. She's got to wash their feet. You know what she's basically doing? She's giving her free time to the church so it's not being a busybody. And then thirdly, she is not able to be taken care of by her family. So if you're under 60 and you're not saved and your family's not helping you, the church can't help you. Not supplement your living. The best thing we can do is give you a hand up. We can teach you how to be the woman God wants you to be. We can teach you to be the man that God wants you to be. Now, somebody might say, well, Pastor, and they might say a little Southern, okay? They might say, but Pastor, what about Matthew 25? What you do unto the least of these you've done unto me? Go to prisons and feed the homeless. How many have heard that scripture before? Okay, let's turn there and take a look at that, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to learn something, Bubba. You're going to learn something, Bubba. You're going to learn something right now about your favorite scripture. And I love everybody who loves that scripture because they're always the kind-hearted people. You know, God bless them. They love everybody. We're just going to feed everybody on prisons. We're going to clothe everybody because Jesus said, what you've done unto them, you've done unto me. Now, i got a little problem with this interpretation. Amen. 
This is why I said it might get a little controversial. Here it is. Here's where it gets a little controversial. Are you all ready for this? Go all the way down to Matthew 25. You get the point. Sheep and goats, he separates them. Go down to the last one, the goats, when they're going to go to hell for not doing it. And look at what he says right here. He says it in both places with the sheep and the goats. But look at it right here. He says, depart from me. Or or rather, start in verse 40. The king will say, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Well, hold on. Hold on. You saying Jesus' brother is the crack addict down the road limping with one eye? Oh, hold on. I didn't know Jesus' brother was the was the wife, uh, woman sneaking out smoking crack on the side, pimping her body. That's Jesus' brother or sister? You want to learn who Jesus' brother or sister are? Because he says what you've done unto these, you've done unto me because they are my brothers. It's unto me. Who is the brothers? Who is the ones we do things unto? And it's unto Christ or other words. Who is the body of Christ? Believers. Christians, if you don't believe me, let's just turn there right now. Go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 48. He tells you who his mother and brother and sisters are. Amen? Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 48 through 50. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his crack addicts on the street. Pointing to the homeless dude named One-Eyed Willie. Pointing to his disciples, say it like you're a disciple, disciples, saying to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So my first obligation ain't to go visit Twan in jail. The dude who just robbed somebody. That's not my obligation. That's not doing it unto Christ. My first obligation is not to clothe the naked man that's out there smelling like I ate ball 40 ounce. That's not my first obligation. My first obligation is to take care of the homeless that are suffering for the name of Christ. Who have been persecuted and left naked. They are my first obligation. Oh, see, it gets quiet when I preach like that. See, I've worked in the projects, and I understand the handout attitude and that a spirit of entitlement comes straight to hell from the devil. I've watched two people fight over Fruity Loops or Captain Crunch. Well, I wanted Fruity Loops. I've watched people fight over those things. I'm telling you, I've gone down to Wacker Drive. Some of you have this real romantical idea of helping the homeless, and there's a place for that. I'll get to that in just a moment. But some of you have this real romantical idea. I'm going to go down there and give them food and whisk them off their feet, and, and, and me and homeless Joe are going to go and live happily ever after in ministry together. Because they're out there, and they're just, they're just so cold and lonely, and there's just nothing out there for them. Go down to Wacker Drive. You're going to find people with stovetop ovens and little burners. You're going to find people with cots and beds down there. And I've been down there. And you go to hand them the soup. Oh, what flavor is that? Oh, the last group that just came by was doing broccoli. I wanted the soup of the day. I was looking at a little, uh, you know, baked uh, sour cream and onion. What's the one we liked? French onion. Do you have French onion today? No, I'm okay. I'm telling you. I'm being real with you. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to cut back on that, getting a little, getting a little fat here. I've had people say, I, don't, I mean, you come out with the blankets. No, i got plenty of blankets. I've had homeless people yell and curse at me because I didn't put money in their hand. But I said, I'll give you something to eat. I'll, get, I'll give you something to eat. Well, you need some clothes. Get, call me tomorrow. I know you got 35 cents. you got a whole little bucket full of money there you've been getting all day long here, hopping on down the side of the street. Call me tomorrow with the 35 cents, and I'll give you a shower. I'll give you something to eat, and then I'll give you new clothes out my closet. F you, Christian. <laughs> they said that to They curse at me. Why? Why do they curse at me? Because they don't want clothes. They don't want shelter. They don't want something to eat. They want drugs. They want alcohol. That's why some of you who have that heart of Bambi, you haven't done street ministry enough. I've brought in over 30 homeless people into my house. You haven't slept with Twan the transvestite and Gary the dude that smells like urine and pee. I've brought them off the streets and had them sleep in my house. I know what it's like. I've had 30, 30, 30 plus homeless people come live with me. 
So don't anybody come and judge me. There's only a certain group of people who can judge me, and those are the inner cityites. And I call them the inner cityites because they think they're the only ones that do stuff for God. I used to be an inner cityite. They're the only ones that can go toe-to-toe with me on what we've done for homeless and hurting people. I've given away over 40,000 pounds of foods and projects. That's about four semi-load trucks. I've had feeding outreaches as big as two and 3,000 people show up. You guys have no idea what I've done because I don't boast, ain't it? I'll talk about it when it's time. But I have done so much for the hurting people of this world. You have no idea. I'm telling you this. This is a principle. When they are hopping along down that street, When they're hopping down that street to you, right over there, and they got that sign, and they're all looking in your car, you know, just roll down your window, here's our church card, we want to help you, and see how they treat you then, you know what I'm saying? They get all mad and angry. I don't want clothes, what do you think, man? I don't need a shelter. I don't need any of that. I'm telling you. You go to India, you'll meet some real homeless people. You go to India, you'll meet real homeless people. See, those are the type of people we really want to help. The ones that are saying, I'm a widow, I have leprosy. And when they come and and, and Adolfo will tell you, and they don't have no hand. Because leprosy is, you know, eating it away. And they have like a nub and they're knocking against your window. Tears come down your eyes. Because you know you can't give them anything. Because if you give them something, you're a target now. And you don't want to become a target. And so the only thing you pray in your heart is, God, give us more to, to build orphanages and leper colonies and things that other churches are doing. We're going to do eventually as well. But we're, we're doing our best. Amen? And that's when your, your tears go down your eyes because you're saying, this, this is what the Bible's talking about. It's not talking about people in our culture who don't want to go to our shelters. They don't want to go because they have pride and egos and they don't want to humble themselves. And I always tell them this, and you can tell them this too. A ladder does not have to be pretty. All it has to do is give you a step up. Tell them the Broadview mission doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it's like all of a sudden they become like the fine wine tasters of, of, of Alcoholic Anonymous programs, you know. Oh, I've been to Teen Challenge. I just had a little bit too much parsley. I prefer my, my, uh, my drug rehab with a little bit light on the salad dressing. You know, a Broadview mission, oh, that's just a, little, that's just a little bit too spicy for me. You know, it's like they become like the fine wine tasters of programs, you know. No, dude, get your little homeless rear end to Broadview Mission. I don't care if they make you sleep on the floor. It's better than sleeping here. Take a step up. Take a step up. And we, we, have, we have a card blanche. We have a blank card with Teen Challenge because they love us so much to bring anybody there even without them paying the fee. And the reason why they have to pay at Teen Challenge, first of all, Teen Challenge is the best drug and rehab program in the whole world and recognized by the U.S. government, by presidents, plural, not just by one. And you know why they make them pay something up at front? Because they said you hustled for drugs, hustle to get in here and prove you want it so you'll stay. But even for Teen Challenge, they, and it's a year program, they don't play with them. You're not coming here for a day. You're not coming for a couple weeks. You're coming here for a year. Teen Challenge. David Wilkerson, man of God, started this program. The best. And it's spirit-filled Sheikaboomba. It's right down the road. We're friends with them. Let me tell you something. They'll take our guys in. Even if they don't have the money, they'll say, if they come from you and you feel that they're appropriate for this, they'll take them in. So where's the, And there's a girl teen challenge right down in southern Illinois. So where's, what's the excuse? What's the excuse? There is none. The church is offering these things to people. Now, what can we do for people? What examples do we see of Jesus blessing people? Well, you see the feeding of 5,000. He fed everybody, sinners, homeless Joe, one-eyed Willie. They were all there together, amen? They were all there. They were all there together. But guess what he did first? What did he do, y'all? Preached for three days. We're not bribing you. We're just telling you what we came to do. We came to preach. And while we're preaching, we're going to bless you with some things. So I say anytime you're just throwing out a blanket of food to people, put preaching right at the forefront. 
And, and the way we found best to do it is to be 100% open and honest with what you're doing out there. We are Metro Praise Church. We've come out here to preach the gospel to you. You're witnessing to them as you're handing out the flyers. And you're saying, if you'd like to come get some food, it's over here. And we'll do it on the west side for some of you, you noobs here. You'll see it's not, nothing new to us. And then we'll preach to them while we're out there. Preach to their children. Tell them about Jesus. And we did our thug dizzle for the loaf of shizzle. But we are not their soup kitchen. We are not their hot dog ministry we are just a preaching gospel ministry and we're saying we can bless you with this and i do want to challenge the ministries that believe that they can't preach without bringing food and different things you don't see jesus saying okay peter you got the barbecue grill okay good um you know Thomas, do you, you got the falafels and the, the shawarmas? Okay, now let's go set up shop and preach over here. And here you got Peter. He's flipping the hamburgers, you know, and they're building the crowd. Come on, guys, free hamburgers. It's tight, but it's right. Come on. Because I know so many times we see these ministries and we love them and we get so excited for them. <laughs> well, we gave away 3,000 Christmas presents. Like, like that was hard. Listen to me. Give me 10,000 Christmas presents, and guess how many I'll give away? 10,000. It's not like you're doing something very difficult here. You know what I'm saying? Give me 100,000 Christmas presents, and guess how many I'll give away? Just all you, to, to, to do that, all you need is the finances and then the advertisement to get it out, and people come. It, it, there's, there's, no, there's no, like, Jesus blessed them and saved them to come. No, they saw the free Christmas present. They woke up and come. They do that for Toys for Tots. They do that for Oprah Winfrey. They go nuts. For, you, think they go, they think, you think they get happy for you to give them a bag of jello beans on Christmas and, and, little, and little Marcus a little bicycle. Look what adults do on Oprah Winfrey's show when she gives away cars. They do backflips and whoop and holler. And, and you actually can go to Oprah Winfrey's website. And she says the number one email, the number one quest I get is when am I going to do my Oprah things because everybody wants to know, Oprah, when are you giving stuff away? That's no more Christianity than having free beer at the Catholic uh, carnival down the road with Father Tom kicking back some beer and smoking a cigar. Now you all looking at me crazy. Don't you know Father Tom drinks? Dude, my dad grew up in a Catholic church. He said my father could most of the time smell like cigars and alcohol. No offense to all the Catholics out there, but there's just not the same standard. Have you ever been to one of their festivals? They have a beer tent. They have a, are you all looking at, amen walls. What's the difference? What's the difference between us? The Catholic church said, forget it, man. Let's just give them what they want. Woo, carnival, beer. Okay, call the festival. Why do we as Christians think we're any different? Let's give away stuff. We love you. It's no different. And then Finney talks about Finney, hindrances to revival. And hindrance to revival is a distraction in the meeting. When you've come to something for another thing, you are now distracted from hearing the gospel. If I said to you today at 1 o'clock, every one of you is getting a free pony, okay? And you're getting a free birthday cake. And a piñata. Piñata, birthday cake, and pony. Would you be thinking about the Word of God right now? What would you be thinking about, Noah? Getting on your pony. You'd have that little birthday hat on that little cowboy hat with red, you know, little white laces around it. You know what I'm saying? Little sheriff star on you. And you'd just be... You'd be all over that pony. Yeah, exactly. You'd be riding you a pony right now. You wouldn't be focused on what I'm preaching about. Come on, somebody say amen. Do I have anything against those who give a bribe and a pony to get people to hear the gospel? No, God bless you. At least you're not teaching them to worship Satan, okay? On the level of bad things to do, it's not really high up on the bad thing to do list. You can cut off the air. I see people getting chilly. Just shut off everything. It will kind of even out. We're going to close out here. When it comes to the widows, they said, man, you've got to do something to make a list. And you've got to make sure that people are not neglecting their own family. Because if they're neglecting their own family, thank you, they're worse than infidels in the King James, as it says, or unbelievers. So what is the ministry of the church? The ministry of the church is to teach people how to become independent financially. To work and take care of their own needs. 
Can I show you that in the Bible in closing here today? Let me give you that scripture in closing today. To live quiet lives, as the Bible says, each one providing for themselves. And if there's truly people in need, cripples, and uh, go back to 1 Timothy. Chapter 2, look at verse 2. It says, pray for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Then also go back to that one in uh, that scripture reference in Thessalonians to get more insight on that. In, in, in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Let me give you the full context. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Look at what it says. Look at the uh, verses preceding. Say start in verse 7. We'll go verse 6. Come on, warning against idleness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and who does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. Do you want to know why everybody look up at me, please? I, and I've, we've, we've paid a price for this in our church. Some people have left because of this, and I'm not ashamed of it because the Bible says this. If a man does not take care of his family, he will not be a leader in this church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You will not live off unemployment, Section 8, food stamps, and call that a blessing from God. To hell with the devil that sold you that bunch of lies. You won't do that in this church. Now, can good men lose jobs and, and reposition themselves and get back up? But I'll tell you the difference between a good man and a lazy man. That good man may lose his job. He may lose a job working downtown. He may have been work, making quarter of a million a year, $250,000. If he loses that job and has children, you'll see him tomorrow working at McDonald's without anything wrong because he'll have in his heart, I'll do whatever it takes. It's the self-entitled little weenie sissy boys that aren't even men that come around this church that are of the young adult age, are making babies, letting their wives work, and sitting at home getting fat and obese and talking about how God blessed them because they get unemployment to hell with that around here. The Bible told me to stay away from you. And we're not teaching that to the other men of this church. Come on, ladies. Do you want your husband to be lazy sitting at home saying, Honey, you go to work. This job ain't paying me enough. It's not my type of job. Come on, at least watch Dr. Phil, Bubba. He'll tell you you're dumb for doing that. I mean, I see those shows all the time. It's like, man, get a job. Get out there and show your family you're willing to work. Work 20 hours a day if you have to. Do something for your family. I mean, I'm just telling you, there's honor in that, and the Bible talks about that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. When we, we were not idle, when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. For those that are on food stamps and you're having to go through that right now, listen to me. Get off food stamps and believe God to take care of you. Believe God. It may be tough. It may be hard. But get your life in order. Be givers. Walk in the integrity God has given you. And get off the teeth of this government. I'm telling you, God will provide for you. And if he's not providing, we will go through your life and we'll find things out of order, e either in your financial past, either in your giving, you're not being faithful. We'll find something that's leaking out that bucket. Because every called man or woman of God that I have known that has followed the Lord, has gone through sufferings, has come out receiving what God wants for them. It says, don't eat anybody's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we work night and day laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. See, our society has a group of people that are a burden to it now. And then we all complain, well, the schools in the inner city, schools, you know why the schools in the inner city are jacked up and why the schools in the Naperville are the best of the best? Because it don't matter if you're pink, brown, or purple. The only thing that matters is the color green, y'all. Where's the money, honey? If it ain't making dollars, it ain't making sense to Chicago. Wake up. That's the real world. You want you want Inglewood to have good schools? Mama got to get up and get a job and start paying her taxes and motivate that joker to put the money back in the schools. That's why they have them tap dancing in Naperville. It's because Naperville has the money to fire and hire whoever they want. I mean, let's just keep it real right now. It's all about the greenbacks. It's about where is the money. The city is not going to do something based on our, on our uh, morals. They're going to do something based on dollars and cents. 
So what do we do with the inner city? We come in there, preach salvation to them, teach them not to be idle, and get up, man, start working. Get to college. Get educated. Come on. Get yourself a degree. Get out there and do something for God. And then give back to your community. Don't become some uppity, tidy person living way over here, and you forgot about where you came from. We have to redemption. We have to redemption lift a community. Amen? We have to bring it up. And one day, Metro Praise will do those things. We will buy blocks in the inner city. We will provide jobs. That's a part of our community service outreach. It's already been written down in paper, y'all. We will do this. And I already have an idea and a system in my mind of how to do it, how to incorporate classes with what we're giving out, and how to incorporate those people coming to those classes to do jobs. It's already in my mind right now. Pray that God blesses us that we can do that in this city. It says we did this not because we did not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. Paul said, when I was with you, I didn't even take what was rightfully mine, a paycheck from you, because I didn't want none of you to say that I didn't work, so you didn't work. Because at that time, they didn't understand the gospel is preach, uh, the gospel preaching is work. Amen? So he said, I, I know you don't know that me studying and reading my Bible and praying is work. So I'm actually going to get up and have a secular job with you so that you can't complain and say my preacher sits down and does nothing. Praise God. Paul was awesome, wasn't he? For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man don't work, he does not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Oh, Paul's a preacher, isn't he? Come on, they're not busy. They're a busy body. Look at your neighbor and say, get busy. And get busy in your body. But don't be a busy body. Get busy. In your body, but don't be a busy body. I can make a little jingle for that, amen? Get busy. I'm going to say get busy, and you say busy. Get busy. Get busy. Get busy in your body, but don't be a busy body. Get busy. Get busy. Go and get busy in your body, but don't be a busy body. Get busy. Come on now, y'all know it. Some people, such people, we command and urge. Somebody say urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of what is right, of doing what is right. Would you stand up with me, please? Where does the time go? I literally, in my mind. Leilani, would you come, please? In my mind, I thought I was going to be done at 1230. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I don't know what's going on. Vain imagination, I guess. What you learn today is proper relationships. Amen? Older people, respect and honor them. Treat them as you would fathers and mothers. The people around you as brothers and sisters, and especially with young women, treat them as sisters with all purity. Amen? Then we learned about widows and that there was a charitable outreach of the church back in the day to reach the widows. And these widows were people who lost their husbands and they were forced into poverty in a place of lack. And the Bible says, here's a list of how to put these people on the charitable giving ministry. They've got to be 60 years old. They've got to be the helper in the church, wash the saints' feet. What did, who washed feet in those days? The servants. They've got to be the ones that wash the saints' feet. They've got to be raising their children, right? So children aren't running around going crazy. And it says they have to be hospitable. And then the Bible says after you've looked at them, make sure they're 60 years old. Make sure they're serving the Lord. Then look around and see if any of their family members are acting like infidels. Because if you find any of their family members acting like infidels, you need to get on them in the church and say, hold on, hold on. Before the church takes care of so-and-so, you need to take care of so-and-so. That's your mom. That's your mother-in-law. We learned about that today. And then people sometimes give the excuse, well, we're going to have a welfare ministry for Jesus. And we looked at Matthew 25 and how what we are supplementing when it comes to being the supplier. We do have a command to supply people who are in need. Where do we see those people in need? There are brothers and sisters who are disciples who are doing the will of the Lord. We visit them in prison, the ones that suffer for Christ or get saved. After committing their crimes, we go visit them in prison. 
we clothe the naked. Those here in our church, if there are truly problems clothing themselves, we want to help them. If they are thirsty or hungry, we feed them. If they are homeless, we bring them into our homes and we make room for them so that they don't bear a burden that they can't carry. And then what about the examples of the 5,000? And what about the example of the Good Samaritan? And part of our vision, loving God, helping people in their times of need. When we do those types of things, we do it with the gospel first. So here's, here's the handout, okay? Here's a perfect example. Here's the little candy, but here's the gospel, okay? So when I come... So, does this come to you first? Is that what Jesus did? Peter, get the barbecue grill. We're going to go out preaching today. Does that touch you first? The Word of God. Let me just make this even real right now. I'm going to change my life in this illustration, okay? I'm going to set down the microphone. to our nation, thank you, and they say, well, you're bribing our people with your gift. I'll, I'll tell you what, not here. We will tell the Muslim, this is a Christian hospital. We are here to serve Christ. We will help every one of you here, but while you are here, we want to preach the gospel to you. Just like our after-school program. We have Muslims that have come. This is a Christian after-school program. We will cr- preach and teach the Bible, and we are also going to teach them how to, to do their thing. Christian um, English as a second language. And you know what? That's actually honoring the people. Because then they have a choice. Do I want to go to the Christian one or do I want to go to the secular one? This is who we are. We are Christians. We proclaim Christ. In closing, the testimony of the early church within the first few hundred years after Christ died was when the Christians came to town, they rejoiced in the pagan nation of Rome. You know why? Because they knew The homeless would be taken care of, the streets would be cleaned, the widows would be provided for, and the gospel would change their community because they knew how to do it the right way. There is nothing wrong walking up to the homeless guy going, dude, let's go out to you. I'll be a good Samaritan to you. Let's hang out. But I got something better to give you than a handout. I want to take you to Teen Challenge, man. If he stays on the street after that, that's not your fault. Pray for him. But that's, that's, he's staying on the streets because of a choice. I say this in closing as I'm running late today, and I know I'm already in trouble. Let me just close out. Mama's, Mama's not happy right now. Man, messed it up. Got to make it up for today. Amen. This is the last thing right here. If you were homeless right now, you were homeless right now, and let's say you did not have one person in your family to bring you in, and it was a tragedy. Would you not scramble your way to the first shelter you could? Would there be anything in your mind to say, I'm going to sleep out here tonight? Dude, you'd be beating on Teen Challenge's door. I don't care if you want me to sleep in the bathroom tonight. I am scared to sleep out here. The people who do it is because of drugs and alcohol. They've warped. It's warped their lives. I'm just keeping it real with you guys. I've met gutter punk kids. Sometimes they come from abusive backgrounds. That's that's partly true. But still, there's people reaching out to them, and they still don't want to do it. You would have to be crazy to do that. See, it's something up in here. It's in their heart. Because if you were homeless, if right now you take this away, you took away my car, man, it's freezing out there. Dude, I don't care what shelter you give me. I don't care what. I'm going to go sleep there, and I'm going to go change. And that's what God's asking you to do. If a man doesn't work, he won't eat. Let's pray. Father, bless us today. Help us to love you. Never forget our first love. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's bless the Lord. Okay, head to class.